Welcome everyone. It is CK with Bitcoin Magazine. This time I am here with Bruce Mack of Platinum Trust Group and we are going to be talking about trusts and how you can utilize a trust with Bitcoin. Bruce Mack is the CEO and co-founder of Platinum Trust and he has been doing incredible work in the financial industry space for over three decades. Bruce, welcome to the show. Really excited to have you and really excited to distill some really important information to all the Bitcoiners out there. See, now just a minute ago, CK, and thank you so much. You made me feel really old because you said, I've been in financial services longer than you've been alive. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's true. But um, I think that it just speaks volumes that you are now entering into and uh, becoming a quite the big player in the Bitcoin space, despite, you know, being in legacy finance for so long. So it's excited to see experts like your, like yourself get into Bitcoin. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, so Bruce, let's get into, let's briefly get into kind of your history. How do you get started in, uh, in finance and uh, why did you start Platinum Trust? Two great questions. I've been in finance and financial services for decades uh, worked with the uh, bank as a regional manager. I'm a licensed financial advisor. Heck, I've been a real estate investor too. In a three-year period of time, I bought, rehabbed, and flipped over 160 properties involved in $92 wow. worth of real estate transactions. I've been in finance for so many decades. And one thing I have learned is, is this. If you understand the rules of the financial road, that can totally change your financial outcome and equation. I've gotten sued before. I've been on the wrong side of the equation. And when I've gotten sued, even doing the right thing, heck, I was in real estate investing and I had a guy, we bought his house. He was about ready to go into foreclosure and made a value proposition offer to him that he loved at the time. The value proposition is we're going to take your house. We're going to keep you from being uh, in a completed foreclosure. We're going to fix it up. We're going to put in new appliances, new everything. And then what we're going to do is we're going to sell it for top dollar. We're going to relocate you, pay for that. We're going to put you in credit repair, pay for that. And then when we split the profit and we back out the expenses, we're going to split the profits. He was delighted until two weeks later, he served me with a massive lawsuit saying that we had forced him under extreme duress to to sign the contract and that he was highly intoxicated at the time. And I'm going, where's this coming from? The bottom line was, unfortunately, I lost $175 on $175,000 on that deal. And if I would have had the information that I know today to protect myself, protect my business and protect my financial future, I wouldn't have had that $175,000 loss. I would have simply deeded him back the house. But my lawyer said, can't do that. Got to stay with this. Got to ride this out. Got to get do, do an uh, offer with him. So these are the types of things that the average American, heck, over 33% of, of everyone who is on this call today will get sued at some point in time or another and potentially could get wiped out for your entire financial future as well as your finance, uh, financial background and the assets that you've got today in Bitcoin and or in any other type of medium that you hold your assets. So I want to protect you. 
I want to protect your financial today. And we've got suggestions and, and absolute uh, strategies that are working and work for everyone to protect your financial future for tomorrow as well. Awesome. Well, I think that's a great story to kind of show the risks of doing business in the marketplace and how a malicious actor can essentially grief you as you're just trying to do business uh, and utilize the, law, the legal system to extract value from you. So um, I think that that kind of jumps into you know why you're in the trust game. So that makes quite a bit of sense. I made it my life's work to find a solution that worked for me to be able to protect me and my family. And what I hit upon was as I started to do my research is that trusts are the perfect vehicle when they're properly constructed to be able to completely insulate and isolate against uh, lawsuits, bad actors, predatory people that want to get into your uh, back pocket for all the wrong reasons uh, and stop them cold in their tracks. This is why I ended up writing the book, which is uh, uh, coming out uh, in the next several months, The Kennedy Equation, because it kind of started right there uh, with the Kennedys and their, uh, their ability to establish a dynasty trust, which is able to have generational wealth transference without the interruption and without them losing all of their assets and ensuring this multi-generational, if you will, uh, opportunity to be able to pass wealth. And then there are other types of trusts which I came to find out and, and have been so blessed to be a part of that also have another component, which is tax mitigation and or tax deferral that's, uh, that's works with the tax mitigation component, which turned out to be the, the biggest bonus along with the fact of having the asset protection component. So let's just uh, break this down a little bit. Without a trust, when you're doing business, the assets that you own, no matter what kind of asset, are theoretically liable for seizure or for, you know, if you do something wrong or if someone sues you for whatever reason, even if you're perfectly in the right, all of those assets are, are subject to be a part of that lawsuit. Is that correct? Yes. The sad fact is most of us, if we're business owners, uh, we create a C, an S, or an LLC, an entity, and we figure because that's what we were told that those that those entities are going to protect us. And unfortunately, they don't. Especially if you are uh, you have a small uh, company. And most of us are what I call solopreneur entrepreneurs, right? It's it's us, or it's us and our partner. And the easiest way to blow up an entity is to allege, which is easy to then prove, alter ego. And alter ego is very easy to prove because it's sort of like you're the puppeteer and you are the marionette and you are controlling you. And it's a winner argument. Matter of fact, it's uh, when it's alleged, roughly 50% of the time it can be proven. And therefore, once that corporate shell is gone, boom. They're going to, a creditor can take a deep dive right into all of your assets, even if you have multiple LLCs. So without a doubt, it is a very scary, very real, and I've seen on so many occasions, a very unfortunate situation 
uh, when people had their assets at risk. Before we dive into, you know, why a trust specifically, I'm kind of curious, how did how did you get into Bitcoin and, and why is Platinum Trust getting into uh, the cryptocurrency space? Great question. First of all, I always want to do rather than just prescribe, because if I was going to be a doctor, I always want to take my medicine myself before I prescribe it and really do the research. So I've been an investor myself in in Bitcoin and I believe in Bitcoin. I believe in its present day and I believe in its its long-term plays as a value proposition going forward. We found that there are so many people that are unfortunately uh, not aware of the tax liabilities that they have as Bitcoin traders and or as miners, either one. And because they are not aware of it, uh, they've set themselves up for, for possible pursuit for penalties, fines, and or worse from uh, tax evasion. Uh, and they're not even aware of it. So what I made the decision for my firm to do was to make an outreach and get in front of as many Bitcoiners as possible so they knew what the actual rules of the road were because they weren't and aren't informed. And there's so much disinformation and or misinformation that's out there. So by getting the right information out there, people want to conform. People want to do the right thing when they know what the right thing is to do. So that's sort of how I got in, into the Bitcoin uh, world and why I'm here to stay. Yeah, I mean, I know that that's definitely something that people in the Bitcoin uh, space have been arguing about is that the fact that there's not a lot of legal clarity around a lot of the aspects, you know, of how the tax authorities and how all the authorities are actually going to interact with and define different activities that you can do with your Bitcoin. And I'm kind of curious how a trust can, despite the lack of legal clarity, clarity around cryptocurrencies, how a trust is useful for for ensuring that in the long run that you can hold on to your Bitcoin, that uh, no matter what you do every day, that, um, you know, that asset can be protected from, uh, you know, from creditors or anyone else who might want to get into your stack. Many investors think that tax is not owed on crypto. IRS has sent out a bunch of letters. Many of the people that are on the call might have caught up with some of the letters that have been sent out over the last six months uh, that you owe tax. Here's what we come to know. These are facts. Uh, If you are buying crypto, using crypto, you owe tax on that transaction. If you're buying other items utilizing crypto, you owe uh, tax on that transaction. If you're paying taxes like state tax utilizing crypto, you owe tax on that transaction. And if you are a miner uh, paying tax on the coin that you earn, that also is a taxable event. Now, all that said, there's a capital gain when you sell, i.e. you bought it at X, you sold it at Y, you've created a capital gain. Well, with a proprietary trust, like our trust, where we have 58 copyrights, Because of the structure of the trust utilizing IRS codes, IRS code 643, it so states that capital gains taxes end up being, if you will, deferred in perpetuity. 
So you're not paying the tax on it. Your beneficiaries are not paying the tax on it. Your beneficiaries' heirs are not paying the tax on it. Then there's a period of 21 years after everybody who's directly or indirectly related to your family that goes by, and then the trust distributes. Now, this could be 100, 200, 300 or more years from now before the trust distributes. But the key and important fact here is that the tax, because of the ability to of the deferral component that is within the precepts and corpus of the trust, gives the ability to be able to move forward or kick that tax can generationally down the road. So I guess let's get a little bit more into, you know, what a trust is uh, specifically and, you know, how different, you know, actors within the Bitcoin uh, space can can utilize it. You bring up the example of of miners and traders. Um, can you just talk about like, you know, why the, those cohorts of people would be interested in a trust and, and how could you theoretically pay your bills with Bitcoin inside of a trust and, and not have to pay taxes on that? I never say don't have to pay taxes. I say because it's the it, it it is within the precepts of the trust. We're deferring the taxes, and when your tax you're paying your taxes on a on an annualized basis because they are not due because they are deferred in perpetuity. You're not paying those taxes that year, the next year, and frankly, uh, if you're the trustee of the trust while you are alive, and frankly. Uh, so goes the same for your beneficiaries and and their heirs. So for all intent purposes, uh, it becomes a generational trust, uh, which it is, and the tax deferral uh, happens over many, many years. At the time of distribution of the trust, yes, those taxes are due. Crypto people, because these are all acts of buying low and uh, and and when you sell your crypto, that the tax is relative to a capital gain, whether it's a short-term capital gain. And short-term capital gains means gains that happen that are under 365 days from the date that you bought it. Long-term would be a year and a day. So uh, if it's short-term capital gains, well, now you're talking about 30% from the federal and then you're talking about whatever the state income tax uh, liability would be on top of it. Uh, so there are certain states, such as uh, Texas and several others, that do not have state tax. But most state t- most states have state tax of five percent, as much as ten percent if you're in California and some of the other states. Whether it's short-term capital gains, which could be as much as if you're in California. Uh, and you're a highly compensated individual, you did real well with your Bitcoin, you could be looking at as much as 53.8% in short-term capital gains versus long-term capital gains, 20% if there's no state, and that's what you're looking at. So there's a big swing there, and these are things that you need to find out uh, and educate yourself on. And with the right type of instrument, there is an opportunity to be able to mitigate on a lot of that obligation uh, if you pick up the right type of instrument and if it's structured properly. Who can get access to these kind of trusts? Because, you know, the example of the Kennedys, they were already multimillionaires. Trusts are obviously things that, um, you know, very wealthy people have access to. 
can you even, you know, as like a normal person living in the U.S. today, can, is it easy to get get access to a trust? Uh, the Kennedy's type of trust, very complex, very complicated, very expensive, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars to create. And of course, you're looking at those kinds of tabs uh, to be able to administer and administrate on an annualized basis. So what we did is with, when we created our trust uh, over, uh, in, in our case, uh, over 20 years ago, uh, we engineered it where there would not need to be a lot of ongoing participation on an annualized basis. Therefore, we do not have any ongoing fees on an annualized basis. It's a one-time setup, and we geared it to be extremely affordable so anybody in what I call mid-America uh, could invest in getting the trust and being able to enjoy sleep at night uh, because they know that no predatory suitor is going to steal their war chest and take their, their present day earnings and or their future earnings or attach their future earnings, let alone uh, the fact that we had this wonderful component that we were able to weave into the fabric of the trust for the, uh, per, uh, for the deferral component in perpetuity. So very affordable, very much a today type of a, 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 of a construction where it's simplistic, yet it is, uh, we call it titanium vault uh, in terms of its effectiveness. Let's say I want to open up a trust. And for mm-hmm. me, it's really important that I hold my own Bitcoin. Like I'm not keeping my Bitcoin on an exchange like Coinbase or Gemini. Um, I'm keeping custody of my own assets. Is that something that I can do with inside the trust? Absolutely. Absolutely. See, the way we've got it constructed is, and, and there are many, many trusts out there. Uh, there's as many trusts as there are colors in the rainbow. But, and many of the trusts that are out there, unfortunately, they're self-settled uh, trusts. And uh, many of them have provisions in them that there has to be a third party trustee that administers and administrates over the trust. I would like to caution everyone, when you ain't got control, you could have a problem. And one of the things that we wanted to make sure that we were doing from day one is having the client always be in that control position. So they are making all the decisions for the trust on the trust's behalf. And likely, uh, when when they would get or do get one of our trusts, likely they want to be the trustee. Uh, I'm, I have a trust. I'm the trustee. I make the rules of the road. I make the decisions. I make buying decisions. I make selling decisions, all of which can happen uh, in the trust. And everything that I do in my personal life, as well as my business life, is conducted inside the trust, whether it's buying vehicles, paying for education for my kids, uh, whether it's support or maintenance for, for, my, uh, for my beneficiaries. Everything is done inside the trust, becomes a trust expense as opposed to a taxable distribution, which therefore gives us the ability to be able to, what is not a a trust expense, to be able to have that tax deferral component. So we want to be in control. That is an absolute key precept that uh, I believe that the right type of trust has for the right for the individual who owns that trust. 
You mentioned a whole bunch of different things that you can do within the trust. Effectively, what you're saying is that Bruce Mack has nothing and your entire life is operating inside the trust. Is that correct? That's absolutely uh, correct. Rockefeller said it best. I want to own nothing, but I want to control everything. And that is really distills down what a, a properly constructed trust is all about. You own nothing. And if somebody sues Bruce Mack and they got a judgment or lien against Bruce Mack, I'm uncollectible because I really don't own anything. My trust, I'm the trustee of, has a lot of assets in it. But because I don't personally own those assets, I cannot incur someone coming after me with a lien or a judgment and being able to execute on it. And it goes right back to that old story that I told you at the beginning of our conversation. If I would have known then what I know now, I would have been glad to, and I would have deeded that guy back his house. I would have just said, here's your house. And likely, possibly, I don't know, I'll, I'll never be able to know, rather than reinstating the loan and paying on the mortgage and, and doing all these other things to try and placate him and and uh, trying to uh, affect the settlement over months period of time, I would have deeded him back the house. And if he would have sued me and, and at, at that particular point, if I would have had a trust, the lien or the judgment that he might've gotten would have been worthless. Just to kind of make this a little bit more applicable to, to Bitcoiners, let's say, you know, I'm using one of the famous uh, Bitcoin banks or exchanges in the United States um, I have an account there. I'm purchasing my Bitcoin on there. Um, and then, you know, I'm, I'm taking it off. Theoretically, if I had a trust, would the trust be the, the, the individual or the entity that has the account with, with that? Are all my bank accounts also going to be within the trust? Like, what does that look like? And are there, like, does that create any friction for me to you know live my life as having to deal with the trust whenever I want to access these assets? Again, great questions and there's several of them. I'll try and answer all of them. First of all, you're going to want to set up a trust bank account. Setting up a trust bank account the way we do it, it takes about 20 minutes. You're in, you set it up, you're done. You bring in an affidavit of trust, the trust bank account set up uh, and it's done. So that's going to be the repository for all of your assets uh, going forward. We would also, one of the things that needs to happen is you sell your assets, i.e. your Bitcoin trading account. We would assign that to the trust. So at the end of one day, your Bitcoin is worth X. We take that, we take that amount and uh, the, the basis that you have in the, in the coin, not not the today sale, but what you actually paid for it over the period of time. We come up with that value. We do a bill of sale, and then it is sold to uh, the trust. So now all trades, going back to that question that you had, are done in, in the name of the trust, which is exactly the same premise that happens when we work with uh, people who are doing futures trading or Forex trading or stock trading or uh, other type of metals trading. It's the exact same, very simple, very easy to do process that we handhold walk people through so that they can get set up and make that transaction uh, transition. And then once we've made that transition, just like you were asking, everything at that particular point is done out of uh, this trust. The only 
reason that you'd keep a personal bank account would be for things like I call, which are taxable events, your personal food, your personal fun, and personal fashion. We call them the, the three Fs. But if it isn't food, fun, or fashion, then it is a viable uh, trust expense, and we use trust funds to pay those expenses and log them appropriately. Like I said, it almost sounds too good to be true. You own nothing. You have complete control. You have complete custody of your assets. It's all just kind of living inside of this entity that is operating on your behalf. Why are so many people ignorant to the power of a trust? You know, I ask myself that question all the time. Uh, If you take a poll of 100 people, there are many people who do have a trust, but the trust that they've got is a living trust. And the living trust has a very limited uh, scope of what it's all about. They created a living trust because their CPA told them to create a living trust. And the reason the CPA told them to create a living trust is because it does uh, serve a purpose. Uh, Those, by the way, are grantor revocable trusts, just so you know. And the, the, the precepts of a living trust are... What, what, can you explain what that means, grantor revocable? That means that the, the settlor is the originator of the trust, and they grant the rights of the trust for the trust uh, versus non-grantor, where there's a separation uh, between the origination, originator or the settler of the trust and, po- and potentially some of the other key people that are involved with the trust, i.e. the trustee. So when you've got got a a self-settled trust and it's revocable, which is a living trust, it does serve a purpose. It actually serves two purposes. One, that you uh, will eliminate uh, probate. You get right through probate and probate is something that I wouldn't wish my worst enemy onto because you can get stuck there for over a decade, I've seen uh, estates get stuck there. Actually, I was a small beneficiary of my aunt's estate, uh, which was hung up in, in probate for over 15 years. Crazy. So you're going to eliminate that so that your uh, beneficiaries get a streamlined uh, opportunity or get streamlined access to your assets because uh, you don't want them to wait 15 years. They, that could be devastating to them. And then you also eliminate the trustee or the need for a trustee. And trustees take a portion of the trust, usually about 10% just for administering the trust. So you're reducing the capital worth of the uh, trust by having to go through probate. So again, probate, bad. Um, the other reason that you have a living trust is because it does name who the, who the beneficiaries are. It's clearly articulated and spelled out in that type of document. but by design, because it's a grantor trust, and uh, because it's a revocable trust, it cannot have any asset protection. It just doesn't by design, nor could it ever potentially have any tax mitigation benefits. So it's a limited scope uh, type of trust. There are actually many people who do have that trust, but it's what I would call a ground floor or basement level trust, one that's a good place to begin, but not an ideal place to end up when one starts to take a deeper dive into trusts and what the capabilities are and the comprehensive 
ness that a trust can have and can afford if constructed properly uh, for giving an individual total, absolute asset protection. And then, of course, the best of all worlds, uh, adding in the tax mitigation component uh, if it's the right type of income. And by that, uh, we've talked about tax mitigation. I want to be very, very clear. This does not work for W-2 income, the tax mitigation or the tax deferral component. So if somebody's a W-2 employee or that part of their life that they may be working an eight, a nine-to-five job, but they're also a Bitcoin investor, that nine-to-five income is not deferrable. But let's say they own a car wash and they own an active income business. They're a dentist, a doctor, a lawyer, or they have another active income type of a business Then we're talking about another type of trust that works in concert with the trust that we're talking about so that we can then also protect that other business that they've got so that nobody will ever be able to take it away from them and ensure the integrity of that business being there for them on an ongoing basis. And there's a opportunity for tax deferral component for that business as well. So long story short, there is a trust for everything and uh, you need you need to know the right the right trust for your specific use case. My family has has a trust, but it sounds like it's that that first trust, the active trust that you believe it is. Uh, I, I guarantee you that her CPA mentioned it and that's the reason she has it. Um, and now it's it's becoming pretty obvious that uh, we as a family need to revisit that and and figure out how to properly protect the the family assets. Um, so that I can get my hands on it eventually without having to deal with any of the uh, baloney of probate and lawyers and that kind of uh, stuff. A lot of people don't figure, I'm a beneficiary, I'm a CK, I'm going to get mom and dad's house. And by the way, they also had a crypto account and let's give them a couple of other investment houses, okay? And you're looking to get the whole enchilada, you and your brother, at some point in time when they pass away. But now here's the first misconception. First of all, a lot of people aren't aware of the fact because they confuse or, or conflate the, the fact that, the, that there's today an $11 million inheritance tax waiver. So you figure, great, mom and dad, when they pass away, I'm going to get the estate. It's going to be tax free. And that's true. How, comma, However, there's a big but. And here's the big but. As long as their estate is under $11 million, there will be no estate taxes. Granted. However, now let's just say that you are going to be getting rent and or lease income from those properties that mom and dad had. What's that going to be? Well, it's going to be taxable. It's not going to fall into the estate tax. You're going to be paying taxes on that rent and lease income. And oh, by the way, let's just say you wanted to sell uh, some of your positions in Bitcoin, or you might want to sell one of the houses because the uh, tenants are driving you nuts and you just want to sell it and, and, and move on from it. Uh, maybe you, you might've found another house that you felt was going to be more of a winner and you could make larger income from. Well, now that estate tax has nothing to do with it. You, as the owner of that house, and or you and your brother as the owner of that house, would both be incurring capital gains. Now, albeit, 
it would be long-term capital gains because mom and dad uh, had the property for over a year and so on and so forth. But this is where it might make very, very good sense to take a, a, a hard look at having a trust of your own. Because if you have that trust and they have that trust, when you sell that and or if you become named structurally as the successor or co-successor trustee with your brother, which is the way we would want to construct it to keep expenses down. Now you're the trustee. You make management decisions over that property because the property is in the trust, the Bitcoin's in the trust and everything else from their estate was in the trust. And oh, by the way, when you sell it, good news because you're the trustee. The capital gains is deferred. And your kids aren't going to be paying that too because you're going to set up the trust generationally because they are going to be successor trustees as well. And now you can sort of see how this all works to keep that uh, tax mitigation component and that deferral component kicking that tax can down the road where you A, have the tax benefit and B, if you have a bad actor or somebody who sues you and or tries to sue the trust, well, they're out of luck because you as the person, you don't have assets. All your assets are in the trust and the trust itself, because unless fraudulent conveyance could be proven, meaning mom and dad got the trust way back when to avoid a lawsuit that they were in, well, that's been years ago, so that doesn't fly. The only way a trust can be overturned is if the trust is in, if the uh, owner of the trust, i.e. the trustee, is in an active lawsuit at the time they create the trust. Therefore, they were creating the trust with the express purpose of trying to defraud. Yes, a court can overturn that type of a trust. But this is an inherited trust that you're talking about for you, so that would not come into play. So therefore, there's no way, no how, that that trust would ever uh, come into question. Moreover, because it's a contract, it would be thrown out of court unless they could prove fraudulent conveyance and the, and the case against the trust would not even be heard. The only then pursuit would be against you personally and we already know what's going to happen there. You're not collectible. To be honest, for anyone, like you said, prior to the call that has you know, $100,000 or six figures in assets, it probably seems like a, a, a must-have. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. It's a no-brainer. Uh, my whole family has one. All, all of our employees have one. Uh, it's the only way, once you become aware of it and you understand uh, the trust, it is, it, it is fabulous, and I wake up every single day and am so excited to be able to share with people what a trust is, how it works, and how it's going to work for them. And I'll be the first one to tell you, the trust is not the right vehicle for everyone, but it's the right vehicle for so many people out there. Awesome. Well, Bruce, I really appreciate you coming on the show and educating me and the audience. Um, Bitcoiners are all about long-term thinking and, um, you know, hedging for the future and protecting. And um, to be honest, nothing sounds like a better fit 
match made in heaven for Bitcoin uh, than to uh, to create legal framework to protect yourself um, from taxes, from liabilities, and uh, to pass on your wealth, your Bitcoins uh, to your family and your successors. So uh, really appreciate this. I'm definitely going to be taking a, a pretty big deep dive uh, into everything that we talked about. For our audience, who do you want to hear from and where can they find you? I want to hear from anyone who is serious about protecting their assets. We have the right solution. Again, let us make the determination whether, whether the uh, trust is for you or not uh, when we get together. And because you're a Bitcoiner and you are listening to this podcast, we're going to waive the $250 uh, consultation fee. So there is no obligation. We want to hear from you. We want to see if you're a good fit. And uh, if so, uh, then we'll hopefully take the appropriate steps and get you going. Uh, the best place and the best way to get uh, in touch with us is on our website. If you would go to uh, www.platinum trustgroup.com forward slash Bitcoin. And again, let me repeat that www.platinumtrustgroup.com forward slash Bitcoin. Or you can also call the office directly uh, by uh, calling to 702-371-234. Again, that's 702-371-2345. On the website, guys, you'll just scroll down a little bit and you'll see an interactive calendar so you can block out a time. Uh, That's probably the best and easiest way to get in touch with us so that that will lock in and block a time because even if you call the office, we're going to want to get you on the calendar. Uh, So, Best just go to the calendar again, which is platinumtrustgroup.com forward slash Bitcoin. Pick a time that's convenient for you, and then we'll get you into a consultation and we'll see where it goes. Awesome. Well, again, Bruce, thank you so much for the time and thank you even more for such valuable information, educating us about this nuanced but such important topic. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks. A quick reminder that all of the content in this episode is for informational and entertainment purposes only. You should not construe the information as legal, tax, investment, financial, or any other advice. Nothing contained in this presentation constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, or offer by BTC Media, the Let's Talk Bitcoin Podcast Network, or any third-party service provider to buy or sell securities or any other financial instruments. Do your own research.